Hello, my name is Dorian, and this is episode number 27 of the Song of the Olive Press, A Walk Through the Book of Philippians. The purpose of this podcast is to reach out and strengthen those followers of Christ who are going through an olive press. They feel as if they have been placed between two stones, squeezing all the oil out of their lives. This podcast goes out with a hope and a prayer that God may turn our time in the olive press into a song. Thank you for coming back to my podcast and for joining me in a walk through this garden we call the Book of Philippians. And I apologize that it has taken me so long to get number 27 up. I came down with the corona, and it has been a long time recovering. In the last podcast, I mentioned Betsy and Corey Tamboon. In thinking about Betsy and Corey some more, I was reminded of Acts 1 and verse 8, reading in the modern English version. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. At the end of our last podcast, we saw how our father took Betsy and Corey Tamboon to the bottom of the pit so that there they may find God's love is deeper still, and that they should be witnesses of that fact to all of us. Notice the words in Acts 1, verse 8. You shall be my witnesses. Look very carefully at the verb. The word witness is not a verb. It is a noun. Hence, It is not something we do. The verb in that sentence is the verb to be. What could this mean to be his witnesses? The question makes me think of John 17, 18, reading from the New King James. Jesus prayed to his Father in heaven, and he said this, As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And here we are, with Paul in his chains, reaching out to you and me with words of love and comfort, telling us Jesus is enough. Funny, we would normally think of words of love and comfort coming from someone experiencing all the good things of God. Unless, of course, that is exactly what was happening. Paul was experiencing all the good things of God. Think of it. Could that scarred, battered old man in chains be living his best life now? If that is true, then the Spirit of God must reshape our understanding of his blessing. Is it not our misunderstanding that word blessing? 
putting fleshly interpretations to it that has caused so much trouble in the church? This Sunday morning, many people who once went to church will not be going. If you ask them why, they will say it just didn't work for me. Such words are so painful to hear because it means they were conned in the name of Christ. They were told that their lives would get better and their problems would go away. They were not told better meant having peace with God, and that may or may not translate into peace in the home. In many cases, it may make things worse. They were told they would walk in victory, and it was implied to them that walking in victory meant that all their problems would be cast into the sea. Instead of walking in victory meant that in their problems they would meet Jesus and find him enough. And if they abide in Christ, they would find their problems would become a fruitful valley, as Paul said in Romans 5, verses 3 to 4, this time reading from the New American Standard. And not only this, but we also celebrate in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. The word tribulation here could mean afflictions, troubles, anguish, persecution, or burden. Basically, whatever is crushing us, like an olive press. What Paul teaches us is that we are not victorious when we have conquered or cast our problems into the sea. We are not victorious when we are free from all our problems. But we are victorious when we are hanging on to the faithfulness of Christ, even when it feels like everything is falling apart. For Christ himself is our victory. Christ is our victory in sickness. He is our victory in a terrible family situation. In any and all circumstances, Christ, Jesus, is our victory. Think of the three Hebrew children facing the fiery furnace. They answered the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. Now focus on those words, but if not. 
aren't those words of unbelief? Unless they understood their victory had nothing to do with what was happening to them or what will happen to them, but that their victory was in fact a person. And unknown to them, they were about to meet him in that fiery furnace. Do we really want to be delivered from our fiery furnaces? When it is there, we are going to meet Jesus? Let's go on to our text now. Philippians 2, 1-9 Reading from the New King James Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. As we go over this passage, it would seem that Paul had a fear, and that is suffering of any one member of the body will bring disunity to the whole body. At least that is the only answer I can see why Paul speaks so much about unity in this passage. To grasp how important unity is, we need to look at Jesus' prayer in John 17, 21-23, reading from the New King James, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I in them, and you in me that they may be made perfect in one, 
and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. The first thing we need to wrap our heads around is that this is not a commandment. It is a prayer. Jesus is not commanding us to be one. He is praying that we become one. So we cannot do this. Only God can bring it about. Specifically, the kind and depth of unity Jesus is speaking of, that is a unity of pure agape love. A perfect love which only God possesses and only God can create in us. One quick thought here. Since Jesus is referring to a perfect unity, then you and I can never be made perfect without one another, which fits in very well with our passage in Philippians. With this prayer of Christ, we know for sure that the Holy Spirit will be constantly at work to bring this to pass. And in looking at the words, we can see that this unity is purely spiritual. That they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me. No stirring up of emotions, no sitting around a campfire singing songs will bring this to pass. Neither will it be administrative, such as in the ecumenical movement. But it is a work of the Spirit. It is the life of Christ flowing from one member of the body to the other members of the body. It is not possible for me to overstate the importance of this. God alone will bring this to pass. So many people throughout history have taken this passage and used it to build kingdoms of the flesh. So, how could suffering create disunity in the body? First of all, there are many of us, when we are hurting, we hide away. We separate ourselves from the body when we need it the most. We may do this physically, stop showing up, or hide internally, put on a mask, escape into our shells. Our shame, our fear, our pain, we do not want anyone to see. So even though our body is present, inside we are hiding. We may even give comfort to others, but we will not receive it. If the Holy Spirit is working to answer Jesus' prayer, don't you think he may want others to pour the life of Christ into our lives? Just a thought. We may want to get everything directly from God, but would that build up the body? Wouldn't the body be better served if we open our lives so God could minister to us through others? I have very much experience in this. 
hiding away in my shell, demanding that God himself do some great miracle for me, or that God should speak from heaven or send me an angel, only to find out that he speaks to me through some other member of the body. The next way suffering can produce disunity in the body is that those of us who are not suffering pull back from those who are. It may be quite natural. We do not know what to say. We all want to say the perfect words that will make it all better, make it all go away. But we don't have those perfect words, or we have them. Yet when we say them, they seem to have no effect. So we feel lost and helpless, and then we find ourselves avoiding that person. To help us understand what is happening, think of it this way. God created our bodies to heal themselves. But that process takes time. When we have a wound, often all we can do is keep it clean, protected, and give it the time it needs to heal. I believe God created our souls to be able to heal themselves. We call it grief. We normally only connect grief with actual death. But we experience varying levels of grief with each death-like experience we go through. For example, the ending of a relationship, losing a job, etc. Grief has its own time schedule. We cannot hurry it up no matter what we do, and that can be upsetting to us. We start avoiding that person who is grieving. Paul tells us to weep with those who weep. Our presence helps to keep the wound clean, and our arms around someone can act as protection until grief has done its work. Sometimes a touch, just being there, can be so much more than having the right words to say. The last way suffering can cause disunity in the body is evil. I have no other word for it. It happens when people in the church distance themselves from those who are suffering so that they can hold on to a lie. The lie being that they, having come to Christ, will therefore never have to go through any suffering. It has been almost 40 years now, but I still remember her face like it was yesterday. I was speaking to a young widow in Asia. She told me of the death of her husband. When she had finished, she looked at me with such pain in her eyes and said, It is my fault. I just did not have enough faith. What had happened was that after her husband was diagnosed with cancer, the church was coming over every week for prayer and worship, believing that God was going to heal him. 
but as his illness progressed, fewer and fewer people came to those meetings, until none at all came to pray with her, telling her it was her fault because she did not have enough faith. At his deathbed, she was alone. With the days of pain and grief that followed, she was left alone. How could those who name the name of Christ do such a thing? They were protecting a lie, that their faith would keep them from ever being in her place. Holding on to lies will always create destruction and tear apart the body. We can only hold on to lies like that if we only listen to carefully selected sermons and only read particular books. But if we become as the blessed man in Psalm 1, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Then the Holy Spirit will hunt down the lies we are holding on to, and we will sing the song, The truth has set us free. Remember the testimony of Betsy and Corey Tamboon? There is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. I will leave you with another quote from Corey Tamboon. You will never learn that Christ is all you need until Christ is all you have. Until next time, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. If you think of anyone who would be blessed by this podcast, please send it on with prayer. God willing, I will post a new podcast in two weeks. Thank you for joining me on this walk through the garden we call the book of Philippians.